tonight. You know, we all want to see a miracle. I think if you ask anybody just on the street, do you want to see a miracle? They'd say yes. Everybody wants to see a miracle, but nobody wants to be in a place where they need a miracle, right? Because usually, if you need a miracle, you're in a really bad spot. Everything is not where you want it to be. There's something you desperately need. There's something you're lacking, and you're like, something supernatural better happen right here or I'm in trouble. And so we like the idea of miracles, but we don't want to be in places where we need them. In our series here, for the last few weeks, we've been talking about miracles. When Jesus supernaturally shows up and shows off in our lives, in our churches, our communities, in our world. And we've been talking about how to position ourselves to see Jesus do that. We don't do miracles, but he does miracles. And I think there's some steps we can take to be in places where we're going to see Jesus work in our world and in our lives. And in our first week in our series, we talked about being obedient. Because when you're obedient to what Jesus commanded, you end up on the spiritual front lines. And so you see him work in special ways. And then we talked about in our second week that we need to train our eyes to see where Jesus is working. If we look around in our life, we can see where Jesus is working, and it helps us to recognize where he's going to show up and where he's going to do a miracle. And then we talked about when we're faithful, when we stick it out and stay until Jesus shows up, we'll see him do miracles. And then last week we talked about a miracle usually involves some investment on our part. Sometimes we have to put some money in or put in some time or put in some emotions, and we have to buy in many times to a miracle. But what we're going to talk about this week is not something where we have to position ourselves. Because many times a miracle, when Jesus shows up and shows off in our life in a powerful way, it's not a situation we chose. Sometimes he shows up in storms. It's in the dark places, in the deep places, the places where you think, how in the world did I get into this situation? I didn't plan on this. I don't want to be here, but I'm caught in this situation. It's a storm in your life. It's something that's unexpected. It blew in and has thrown everything off course. Those are the places many times where Jesus shows up. So we've been talking about how to position ourselves. This is a, a time where miracles happen despite what you've wanted and when something unexpected happens in your life. And we're going to look at a real life storm here in John chapter 6 where Jesus miraculously showed up. And we're going to pull out some lessons for ourselves as we end up in storms in our everyday life. And so in John chapter 6, in verse 16, it says, When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. Now darkness had already set in, but Jesus had not yet come to them. Many times in my life, I feel like darkness sets in, and I'm like, Jesus, where are you? And he hasn't come yet, he hasn't shown up. And so I've certainly maybe not experienced this real-world scenario, but in a spiritual, emotional sense. I think we've all been in places where all of a sudden everything gets dark around us, and we're like, God better show up. And look at verse 18. Things usually get worse before they get better. A high wind arose, and the sea began to churn. And after they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea, and he was coming near the boat, and they were afraid. But he said to them, It is I. Don't be afraid. And then they were willing to take him on board, and at once the boat was at the shore where they were heading. So we're just going to work through this, pull out some things about when we're in storms in our life. Uh, first of all, I mentioned, you know, in verse 17, it said darkness had already set in. And we may not be wandering around in the dark physically very often, but many of us feel like we've emotionally hit a place that's dark. Or we've ended up in a workplace that's dark, or we've ended up in a community that's dark, or maybe a family situation that's dark. 
and we're waiting for Jesus to show up. We're waiting for something supernatural to change the darkness. And I think sometimes what I do is I start to get a little frustrated with God. I'm like, why did you bring me to such a dark place? Why couldn't you send me somewhere nicer, somewhere safer, somewhere happier, somewhere with less stress or problems or issues? And, and I think many times we start to think that Jesus has sent us into a dark place to punish us. Or he sent us into a dark place uh, to get back at us. Or to, you know, you know what, I'm just going to discourage them. I'm going to send them into this dark place. But what Jesus told his followers was, he said, you're the light of the world. So Jesus sends us into dark places, not to defeat us, but to change dark places into light. He sends us as the forerunners for the miracle he's about to do. He sends us to people where we think, why do I got to be around these people? Because he wants to change those people and he wants to use you as a light to change dark places and dark people into places that scream out his glory, that announce his miraculous presence. And, you know, they ended up here out on the sea and this storm came up. It says in verse 18, a high wind arose and the sea began to churn. When a storm hits our life, we usually look at it and we think, this is horrible timing. A storm never arrives in your life where you're like, you know what? This was a great time to get a cancer diagnosis, you know? Or you never get a bill in the mail that says past due, sent out for collections. You say, it's a perfect time. I've been needing one of those, you know? A storm never happens when you want it to. We usually look at storms and we think, why did this obstacle hit my life right now? But storms aren't just obstacles. Storms are opportunities for Jesus to supernaturally show up and show off in our life. The disciples looked at this and they're like, horrible timing. A storm has come up as we're going across the sea at night. It's the worst time for a storm to come. But it became an opportunity for Jesus to build their faith and to glorify himself. He got to supernaturally show up and show off. And so when something unexpected and unpleasant comes into your life, we can instantly say, why me? Why did this happen? Or we can think, wait a minute. This could be an opportunity for Jesus to reveal himself to me in a powerful way. This could be a chance for him to build my faith, to do something, to change this dark place into something bright. As soon as something bad or unpleasant happens, I think, oh my goodness, another thing, you know, to add to the list of things I got to do or things I got to stress about or worry about. And I need to flip that mentality and realize, no, this is an opportunity for Jesus to show up in my life. You see that they're naturally afraid here. They're in a storm, it's dark, and they see somebody walking on the water. I'd be a little scared about that. Um, so my dad in Tennessee, where I grew up, he has a bass boat, and he would go out night fishing. And I would go out with him sometimes, and he had a, like a, a little lamp that would go on the end of the, either end of the boat, and we'd be out there at night. And the water is a creepy place at night. You hear sounds, and you're like, I don't know what that was, but it sounds like some kind of monster you know, coming up out of the deep. And you hear something jump in the distance, and you're like, that sounded way too big to be a fish. You know? And you just imagine a tentacle like coming up over the boat and wrapping around your leg. And uh, maybe I'm just a really paranoid person out at, at the water at night. But it's scary, because you can't see but a little bit around your boat. And I can't imagine being in a storm and at night, and you look out and you see somebody walking across the water and the sea. That'd be terrifying. And I think that many times we get in these situations in our life and we're terrified, we're scared. We're like, what's gonna happen? How is this bill gonna get paid? How, what are we gonna do with this diagnosis? What's gonna happen in this relationship? And what I find is many times we're looking at the sea and we're missing Jesus in the midst of it. They were looking at him walking on the water and they're like, I don't know what that is. He was coming there to help them and they were terrified of him. 
When we take our eyes off of Jesus, when we start to look at everything around us and everything that's going wrong, we'll naturally be afraid. Every time I feel fear in my life, it's told me something. It tells me something. It reveals to me that I've taken my eyes off of how great Jesus is, how good he is, how powerful he is. And I've started to look at my limited resources, my limited ability. I start looking at the problem rather than the solution. It reveals to me, just like a, a little warning light on my dashboard, right now the lights come on that says I need an oil change, and I'm like, I can go a couple more miles. I can push it. So if my engine blows up here in a couple weeks, you guys will be like, ah, ah, you should have listened to that. But when you're afraid, it's like a spiritual dashboard light, and it says you're not looking at Jesus. You're looking at something else. You're starting to look at everything that you think can go wrong instead of looking at the God who makes things go right. And so they're looking at this person walking on the waves, and they're terrified. And I love what he says to them in verse 20. This translation says, it is I, don't be afraid. But in the actual the Greek, the original language that this was written in, he actually says, I am. Like they're sitting in the boat, and they're like, is that Jesus? Maybe, maybe. And he said, I am. And you're like, what's the big deal between saying it is I and I am? Well, when God introduces himself to the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, Moses asks him, he says, what is your name? And God says, I am. That's my name. I'm the source of all being and existence. I've always been, I always will be. I'm constantly in the present, and I've been in the past, and I've been in the future, and I am timeless, and I am God. Everything that is is because of me, I am. And so when Jesus says here, I am, what he is saying is, you're in the middle of a storm, but I'm God. You're in the middle of the sea at night, but I'm God. It's okay. You're not God. See, that's what usually terrifies us. We're in a situation we can't control, where we don't have enough resources to take care of it, and it terrifies us that we're not God. But if we look to the God who is God, Jesus, a God who doesn't say, you know what, you messed up in the past, so I want to torture you. I want to hold a club over your head and punish you for every mistake you've made. No, he's a God who said, let me go to the cross and die in your place because I love you so much. We can look to that God and say, it's okay that I don't have control in this storm because he is God and he is here. And then I love in verse 21, it says, then they were willing to take him on board. So the idea was before, they're like, we're not letting this weird person walking on the water on the ship keep him off the boat. But once they realized it was Jesus, they said, oh yeah, come on board the ship. It's okay to come on board the ship. You know, some of us in our lives, we're like, Jesus, should he really be in control of my life? If your life is your boat, some of you are saying, you know what, Jesus, you just stay out there in the water. I'll be on my boat in my storm and I'm good. I'll, I'll keep bailing out the water. I'll keep trying to keep the sails up despite the winds and all the chaos. I can make it through life on my own. The reality is none of us can make it through life on our own. And when you try, what you'll find is you're constantly disappointed and frustrated. And Jesus says, let me take over your life. Let me be captain of your boat. Let me step into your life and let me teach you how to live and love like I did. See, that's what Jesus invited people to do 2,000 years ago. He said, live and love like I do. Become my follower. And now 2,000 years later, we're still gathering in little groups all across the world, and we're inviting people, come and let Jesus be your master. Come and let him step onto your boat and guide your life. The way that Jesus lived and loved is the best way anyone can live and love. It's the best way anyone, the best life anyone can if you've never done that, 
You can do that now. It doesn't have to be this big show. You know, you don't come up front. You can just say in your heart, Jesus, I want you to be captain of my life. I want to live and love like you did. Because I've tried to live on my own, and it's a mess. I've done that. I've tried to live on my own, and the mistakes that I make and the decisions I make, the selfish choices I make, tend to destroy relationships and hurt myself and hurt other people. But Jesus says, come and be my follower, and I will change your life forever. I think it's an interesting note here in verse 19. It says they had rode about three or four miles. They were right at halfway. Don't storms always hit when you're right about halfway? You know, you're right out in the middle and a storm hits. Um, So when I lived down in Tennessee, I was a couple years out of college, and my grandfather had a pontoon boat. And uh, in Tennessee, pontoon boats, that's party central, okay? So if you're a young 20-something and your grandpa has a pontoon boat, you're popular. Um, So my grandpa was not a great boat upkeep person, okay? He did not take good care of his stuff. So he, like me, he would let his car oil change go until he blew up his engine. And he didn't take care of his pontoon boat. It was a piece of garbage. And um, it, you could probably use even stronger language to describe it. It was not in good shape, okay? It was a bad pontoon boat. But I, I went to him and I said, hey, can me and some of my friends take the pontoon boat out and, you know, have a good Saturday out on the water? And he said, yeah, sure. And he's like, as long as you pay for gas, it's fine. So I paid for gas, I filled it up. We got out on this rickety pontoon boat and we're hauling around like an inner tube and we're having a good time out there. And um, so we have a couple people out on the inner tube behind it and we're dragging it around the water. And I remember hauling those, uh, some of my friends in and they said, hey, some pieces were falling off as we were going along. You think that's a problem? And I said, it's still running, so no, we're good. So we just kept going and uh, we we went a couple more hours, some more pieces fell off and I'm like, it'll be fine. So we were right out in the center of this lake and right in the center, like you could see the shore on all sides, but we're as far from the shore as you possibly could be. And it goes, and we're like, that doesn't sound good. You know, we check the gas, everything's good. A big piece falls off. And I'm like, I don't even know what it is. Like it just falls off of the engine and then you just watch go bloop, 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 bloop. And I said, well, we're not getting that back. That's gone. So we tried everything we could. We're just sitting out in the middle and we're stuck. And so I know exactly how the disciples feel here. That's the worst feeling. You're like, we can't go back. We can't go forward. We're just stuck in the middle in this situation. Now, thankfully for them, Jesus showed up in their storm. Thankfully for us, Tennessee, uh, forest rangers showed up on their boat and towed us to shore and they're like stupid kids you know Uh, but they towed us back to shore and i did actually take that boat out again and i got stuck again but i didn't learn my lesson but the the thing for you is we should learn our lesson that when we're in the middle of a storm right in the middle and a storm hits don't look how far the shore is look how close jesus is and notice here at verse 21 it says As soon as Jesus got on the boat, they were at the shore where they were heading. See, storms, as unpleasant as they are, as much as we wish they didn't come into our lives, storms get us where we need to go spiritually. Many times, people I encounter, they say, you know what really got me to start taking seriously the fact that I have a soul, that I'm not just a body, that there's a spiritual aspect to who I am? It was something unexpected. It was something tragic. I had a friend in Tennessee, and he didn't really start spiritually searching until one of his best friends was killed in a car accident. 
He said, that shook me awake that life wasn't forever, that it was for a limited time and I needed to think about what I was doing with mine. Many times storms awaken us to what we need to think about spiritually and we've been trying to ignore it. Jesus promised that no matter what comes into our life, he would use it to make us more like himself. And so when a storm comes into our life, we can think, I hate this, I don't enjoy it, it's not good, but I know that Jesus will use this to get me where I spiritually need to go. So as we come to an end, what can we do with this? What can we take out of this and put into our life this week? Number one, I want to challenge you to look at Jesus. Our tendency is to look at a lot of other things. There's all kinds of studies about how much we look at television in a week or how much we look at our phones in a week. But with your spiritual eyes, with your psychological eyes, with the eyes of your mind, how often do you look at Jesus? My tendency is to look at a lot of things, a lot of problems, a lot of to-do lists, a lot of stuff, and I forget to look at the God who created everything. Gabe back there at Slides was sharing with me a story this week, and he said he was in a situation, and he kept trying everything he could do, and then he remembered, oh yeah, there's God. I could pray. I mean, that's not just Gabe. That's all of us. We've all been in that place where we think, I'll try every other option before I remember to look at Jesus, to look for Jesus. And then the second thing I want to challenge you with is, when a storm comes into your life, our first response is to say, why me? Why is this happening? Instead, let your first response be, God, thank you for what you're going to do through the storm. Now, you don't have to be thankful when you get a bad um, health report or when you get let go from your job or something unpleasant happens. You don't have to say, wow, that was good. You don't have to somehow lie about it. But you can say, God, I know that you're going to use this storm to get me where I need to go spiritually. And I can thank you for that, even if I'm not thrilled about the storm itself. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this challenge to my life. And forgive me so often for looking at the storm and seeing how far away the shore is and wondering how I'm going to paddle or row or get back to safety instead of looking up and saying, Jesus, come do what only you can do. Supernaturally show up and show up and remind me that there is a good God who's all powerful and wants to work in our hearts and minds and lives, in our cities, in our communities, in our world. Jesus, I pray that we won't just hear this and walk away and go back to living life how we always do. But instead, we'll walk out here and we'll look for you. We'll look for you in the storms and we'll seek you and follow you this week. And I pray all these things like I believe Jesus Christ would. Amen.